Welcome to Adventures in ESL Podcast, a podcast for K-12 ESL teachers who want to learn strategies and tips for planning for their English language learners. I am Millie and I will be your host on this ESL adventure. Hi everybody, I would like to welcome you this Sunday morning and I would like to first say Happy Mother's Day to every single mother out there. Thank you all for all you do and I'm just so, so happy um, that it's Mother's Day and just to be with you all on this beautiful, beautiful morning. Um, if you have not uh, joined us before, you can just drop in the comments how you're feeling. I know for me, I have two more weeks of school. We are out of school on May the 22nd, and I am so happy. It has been nonstop these past couple of weeks, or this, not these past couple of weeks, this past month. We've had one, we've had WIDA testing, that was done. And then right after WIDA testing, we did our state achievement test, and that felt like it did take a month pretty much to do that and that was an experience and then after that we are um, teaching eighth grade this year uh, middle school so they're right now in their little eighth grade prom activity week and all of that great stuff so we are really in the home stretch two more weeks tomorrow we are going on a field trip and tuesday we're going on a field trip so we're just jam-packed to the end of the year um, as far as ESL goes right now, we are doing our end of the year wrap up. And so what does that look like for us as ESL teachers? We are creating their ESL folders to pass on to the next teacher next year. So we're doing that right now. We are working on scheduling for next year. We are trying to find any students and, and finish up any necessary screeners and testings because believe it or not, we still have two weeks of school left, but we still have students that are coming into the building and they need testing. So we have a couple of strings to tie up um, as well in our building. So well, we're really excited and um, about next year and planning out our schedule and trying to figure out what we're going to teach on a team of six. And oh, and we recently got what classrooms we're going to be in for next year. So any new teachers um, out there that are going into ESL, I mean, they start immediately at the end of the following year planning for the next year. Um, and also, I want you all to know today I'm going to be talking about rigor in the classroom. And if you don't know what rigor is, it's basically how you are challenging your students with new challenges and in interesting ways. So I'm going to talk about that today in your classroom. Uh, and or how to do that in your classroom with your ESL students. This is something that came up a lot for me this year. And I'm gonna give you about four to five tips about what I did to increase the rigor in my classroom with my ESL students. And I'm gonna actually show you all a sample lesson that I did with my students um, at the beginning of the school year with the novel study that I read or we read together. Um, so if it's your first time joining us, my name's Millie. I am, this year currently, I am um, the lead ESL teacher on the team of six. I'm a peer coach. I won't be a peer coach next year because I'm going to be focus on, uh, focusing on a few 
big projects. So I had to step back from one thing. And so that would be it. Um, and I am a curriculum writer for our school district. Right now I'm working on, for our school district, a newcomer curriculum with a novel study or novel studies. So I'm really excited about that. And over the last couple of weeks, I haven't been joining you on Facebook Live. As a teacher, um, for the past four years, I have not really gotten sick. I have gotten like a sniffle here, or maybe a sniffle there. But when the students were testing, like six or seven of our students had horrible colds. And I'm like, I know I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get a cold. And then all of a sudden, boom, it, it hit me. <laughs> it hit me hard. So I've been out sick. So I'm excited to finally be refreshed and get my life back on track and all of that great stuff and be back here with you all today. So our question of the day is, are your lessons rigorous enough for your ELLs? Oh, ooh, ooh, one more thing before I jump into everything. I am having a giveaway. I am giving away one of my favorite things. So stick with me to the end and I'm going to tell you how you can join in our giveaway for one of my favorite things that you can use for your next school year. I promise you, you will get so much bang for your buck with it. And I'm really excited about it. Okay. It's simple, but I promise you'll like it. So stick around with me and I'll explain what that is for you. Okay. But our question of the day is, is asking yourself, are your lessons rigorous, rigorous enough for your English language learners? And for those who are just joining us, we're going to be discussing what is rigor and some simple tips on how to implement rigorous lessons into your classroom. So when I first started teaching, I was always under the impression that all of my lessons had to be easy, right? Um, I had newcomers and I was thinking, oh my goodness, I need to make my lessons easy for them because they're just learning English. And I, uh, that was my mindset behind it. I was always thinking, they're new here. I just want to make this as easy as possible for them. And what that led to in my classroom was students rushing through all of their work, giving me 25% when they could have been giving me 100%. And it led to me being very, very frustrated. And I was thinking to myself, okay, what, what do I do? So my mind immediately went to, okay, so they're rushing through the work, then they need something else to do behind the assignment. So I created this elaborate early finishers folder or, or assignments for them to do, which is great. I suggest most teachers do that in their classroom, but I was just doing it because all of my students were just rushing through the work and the assignment. And I'm sorry, I'm just making sure I stay on track with my, my notes. So like I said, that led me to think, okay, I need an early finishers folder. And so that led to the students felt like everything was a competition. I mean, every single thing. I would hear all the time, I'm finished, I'm finished, I'm finished. Oh my gosh, it drove me crazy. So around this time, this happened to me all year. This was like my first year of teaching. And um, around this time of the year, this is when I started doing some major reflection. Like I started thinking about, okay, if I can go back again, what would I do differently for my students? And that was the, that was, you know, the biggest thing. I'm like, are my assignments too, too easy, you know, and is that a problem? So over the summer, I went to um, 
some very powerful professional developments. The first one, believe it or not, is called um, Lausanne Learning Institute. Um, it's actually for tech, but they had some really good um, co uh, classes in their conference. So one of the ones that I noticed that I went to was about mindset. So that's the first thing I realized that I had to do as a teacher was to change my mindset. I had to go from thinking, okay, my students can do any assignment that I put in front of them. I know they can do this. So that was the first thing is, was me. I had to look at myself and I had to say, okay, what? You know what, Millicent? You're making this way too easy for your students. Your students, even though they're new to the country, that doesn't mean that they can't do a difficult assignment. I was equating, okay, they're new to the country, so the assignment must be easy. And that's not the case. So I know that I learned in that conference that rigor is offering challenging assignments for your students, interesting assignments for your students. Nowhere in there did it say that the assignment had to be easy. And so in that, I was thinking, okay, I, I know if I offer them a rigorous assignment, a challenging assignment, an interesting assignment, I know that first my mindset as a teacher has to be set to where, okay, my students can do this. I know they can do this. And then I went to, okay, I know that they can do this, but I want to put some supports in place to ensure that they're successful. And that's where the scaffolds come in. So I knew that they may need some supports because they're just learning English. And then I started thinking to myself, okay, so here's a great level assignment for them. What supports can I put in place to ensure that they will succeed in this assignment? So the first tip, the first tip is to change your mindset and evaluate your mindset. Is your mindset around, okay, I think because I have English language learners, then the assignment has to be easy. I have to give them a low level assignment and that's not the case. So I'm going to move on to the second tip is elevating your student's experience. I was really in this mode of, you know, um, I'm going to print off this worksheet from this membership site <laughs> or I'm going to print off this worksheet and then we'll do this activity or I'm going to um, give them, even though I have eighth grade students, I'm going to give them this second grade activity. And that was not elevating their student experience. It wasn't. So I started incorporating things like project-based learning, flexible seating in the classroom, I start doing independent projects, really elevating their experience. And one of the things I noticed was that for one, uh, that I'm done uh, tomfoolery, I'm finished, I'm finished. Nobody was ever really done. They were, they were working consistently. I also noticed that the students weren't so dependent on me as a teacher. A lot of times they would just be like, Ms. Williams, Ms. Williams, or Ms. Morgan at the time. Ms. Morgan, Ms. Morgan, you know, come help me with this, come help me with this. But after really taking the time to model with them, okay, you know what, we're doing this project-based learning, we're doing this project, or we're doing this independent assignment. Once I modeled for them how to do it, they were out working on their own. You know, I may pull a small group here or pull a small group there, but once I showed them how to do the assignment, once I start elevating their experiences, it was amazing. It completely transformed the classroom. So once again, my second tip 
is to elevate your student experiences um, as much as you can. So the first one, once again, change your mindset, reflect on what you're doing and, and change your mindset. Second tip is to elevate your experiences or your student experiences in the classroom. The third tip that I'm going to provide for you all today is always plan as if you are teaching the top 1% of the classroom, uh, one, not 1% of the classroom, 1% of the students in your building. So plan like your students have a 5.0 GPA. <laughs> That's how you should plan. That way you're not going in, it kind of ties back into the mindset. You're not going in and you're not thinking, oh, you know, my students are in the bottom 15% of the school, so then therefore I need to give them these lower level assignments. Plan as if you are teaching the top students in the building, and honestly, you are teaching the top students in the building. Your students are the best students in your school. Your students are the smartest students in your school. Your students are the most talented students in your school. You need to say this to your students every day. You need to believe that your students are the most talented students in the building. And I promise you, once you start saying that, once you start believing that, your students' work will start to show it. So make sure you are reinforcing that with your planning. So if I'm going in with the mindset that I am teaching the best of the best and you are teaching the best of the best, then my lessons are going to be phenomenal. I mean, you are going to be thinking like, oh my gosh, I have the best students, once again, which you do. My students deserve the best lesson. They do. <laughs> and, and when that's the case, your whole planning will start to just evolve into something great. So... Instead of thinking of when you're planning, okay, you know, my students, they're kind of they're kind of low. Flip that and say, I have the best students in the building. They deserve the most rigorous and best lessons. And then think, okay, my students are learning a new language. What supports can I put in place for them to ensure that they will succeed in this assignment? Okay, so just a review. Tip one, make sure you're gonna have to change your mindset. Tip two, elevating your student experiences. And tip three, always plan as if your students were in the top 1%, always, okay? And our last tip is all lessons that you have for your students should be on grade level. So if you are teaching a eighth grade class, then you should be teaching them eighth grade standards. Now, I know some people may say, okay, well, they're learning a new language. They may not know the alphabet. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to say to you, okay, yeah, sure, you can teach them the alphabet with a grade level text. There are some ways that you can do that. One of the ways is you can chalk the text, break it down. You don't have to present the whole text to them at once. That may be overwhelming to them. But, and I'm going to show you an example of how to do this next. But if you have eighth graders and they're doing the eighth grade novel study, take a bit of that text and break it down for them. And then if you want to teach them the alphabet. In our school district, we have what we call um, a tier, um, we have intervention. And during intervention, 
that is the time when we teach some foundational skills like phonics or the alphabet or, or uh, some, maybe survival English. So make sure that you can have that balance as well. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to take you through a model lesson. And in this model lesson, this is what I did for my students at the beginning of the school year. And when I did this for them, this is, like I said, this is um, a grade level. I have a mixture of um, beginner ELLs in my classroom. I have a mixture of students in my classroom who are um, duly certified, duly identified. And what that means is, is that they have a learning disability and they are an English language learner. I have long-term ELLs in my class. So there's a wide mixture of students in my class. In this class, I am teaching them grade level standards. This is an eighth grade lesson. And I'm gonna walk to, through with you slide by slide just to let you know this is something that I'm doing in my classroom as well, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump over to this one as well. And let's see, slideshow play from the start. Okay, so in my lessons, one of the things that I um, like to do, this is just for me personally, is to just include a table of contents because during the week it gets kind of long and I hate just scrolling through. So this is just the table of contents for it. Um, so we were doing a book, the name of the book we were learning was or talking about is called Inside Out and Back Again. And so Inside Out and Back Again, it's about this young Vietnamese girl in the middle of the Vietnam War and it's written in poetry. It is a beautiful book. I highly recommend it for um, your English language learners great book. So this is just a cover slide. And every day in my class, I have what we call a daily message. During this daily message, I use this as a time to connect with the students, interact with the students. I also use this as a time to introduce our grade level standards. I also use this as a time for any announcements or anything that's going on in the class. After that, we do what I call an agenda. I think it's really important in any classroom to have structure. So I always like to let the students know, okay, this is our agenda for the day. I'm laying out everything that we're doing for the day. I have it on my PowerPoint, but I also have it on our whiteboard in the classroom. Because one of the most things, annoying things, my pet peeve as a teacher is when students ask me, uh, what are we doing next? And I just say, you know, here, this is <laughs> this is what we're doing next. And so they kind of get in the habit of not even asking me anymore, just looking at the board and they know exactly what they do next. Afterwards, we have what we call a level of understanding. And so basically what that is, is they have a um, data binder. Now keep in mind, these are all levels. They have a data binder, a student data binder, and in there, I have them rate themselves one to four on the standard. I'm gonna introduce this grade level standard next. They go into their data binder and they rate themselves from level one, two, three, or four. And it's really, really, really great data point that you can use. So, like I said, we use grade level standards. In this example, um, they use, I can cite, text-based evidence that provides the strongest support for analysis of a literary text. And their learning target is, I can support my inferences with evidence from the text. 
and I can effectively engage in discussions with diverse partners about grade level topics, texts, and issues. Now, let me pause right here for a second. This second point, this second learning target is so powerful for an English language learner. When you, they take these end of the year um, language assessments, this is a great target that you can use. It's a common core one. You can use this target. I use this one for their speaking grade. So we have four different levels of grades and I use this for their speaking grade. Now this, in my lesson, I'm a strong component of building background knowledge. So I'm going into it to go back to what I said earlier about those points. These are grade level standards, but I want my students, I want to ensure that they are successful. This right here is my opportunity before I get into the grade level standards to build some background knowledge. This PowerPoint, let's make some emphasis, is her name is Deb Hansen. Her teacher pay teacher store is Crafting Connections. She has the best PowerPoints for English language learners, and I love them. I use them all the time. They're really great. Just a shout out to her. Her store is Crafting Connections on Teachers Pay Teachers. But I got this PowerPoint from her. She, um, in the PowerPoint, I used it to give an example because I knew, like I said, we we're doing going into inferences. So I wanted to build some background knowledge about that. And so that's what I did to prepare them to make sure that they'll be able to be successful doing this part. So a part of this lesson was making inferences. And so what we did beforehand was a gallery walk. So I set the expectations for the students. I have a graphic organizer for them for their I wonder and what they notice. And I said, say, you know, you'll have five minutes to complete this activity. And once again, like I said, I set the expectations for the gallery walk, your clipboard to move quietly, talk in whispers and be prepared. And during this time, I will model for them if this is their first, first time doing. In this case, I model because this is the very first lesson and their very first time doing this. And you see direction and, and expectation modeling. So I do that for them as well. So here, um, they actually went through the gallery walk. I set the timer. They actually went through the gallery walk. And then after gallery walk, I have them do a uh, pair and share. So what they would do is they pair together and they share um, their wonders and their noticing. So just to pause right here, this is a great opportunity to give a speaking grade. So I will model for them, you know, at this point, you guys, I want to make sure that you all are giving me your absolute best. So I'm going to model for you right quickly what I expect to hear or how I expect you to be speaking. That can be complete sentences. Are you using compound and complex sentences in your conversations with each other? Are you using academic vocabulary in your conversations with each other? So that was something I really, really pushed with them this school year. The next thing I do is I explain to them, okay, now let's make some inferences. So I went through, we already had a mini lesson on inferences earlier. Now they are going to make some inferences about the lesson. And what they did next was another opportunity for to get them up, to get them talking. I have them do a mix and mingle. And so basically what I do is I put a little music on, I say, Okay, everybody get up, let's mix and mingle, kind of walk around, talk, say, hey, stop the music. They find a partner and then they share their inferences with their partner.
And so this is part A of the activity as well. And these are the expectations of it. So they quietly walk around the room. They read their classmates' sentence strips. If they have a symbol that matches theirs, they form a group of four. They find a place in the room. And then they talk about their sentence strips. And for our exit ticket of the day, I wanted them to make some inferences to tie back into the target. I asked them based on the pictures and the sentence strips, what can you infer what happened? And I also at the end, they asked a question that they hope to have answered and a summary of their inferences as well. So this is an example that I provided for you of a grade level lesson. So once again, it's a mixture of newcomers, beginners, duly identified students, um, all of that great stuff. So I want you to know that your students can do this. They can do this. Hold on, let me turn this up for a second. And they can succeed in your classroom. So earlier I mentioned that we are going to have a giveaway. If you want to, you can go join me on my blog, My Adventures in ESL, it's at the bottom here, forward slash rigor. In the, on that blog, I give an example of the tips that I just spoke to you about. I'm also giving away of my, my favorite, favorite thing, which is, I know, anchor chart paper. Not just any anchor chart paper. It is the best anchor chart paper in the whole wide world. It is um, thick. It is easily that you can laminate. It's about this big, okay? So go to myadventuresinesl.com forward slash rigor. I want to tell you all, please don't sleep on anchor chart paper. For one, it's extremely expensive. It can go, <laughs> it can easily go up to $50, one. Second, it is a great support for your English language learners. It goes back into that tip number two. Do whatever you can to ensure the success of your students. And one of the things that I do to ensure the success of my students is anchor charts all over my room. I use them for concluding sentences. I use them for inferences. I use them for how to enter the room, how to exit the room. I use them for our library. So they're such a great tool to have in your classroom. And I'm giving away a fav my favorite set of anchor chart paper. So go to myadventuresinesl.com forward slash rigor to join in our raffle for that giveaway. It ends on this upcoming Friday, which I think is May the 18th, okay? So I want you, if you have any questions, if you join late or if you have any questions, just drop them in the comments and I'll be more than happy to share those with you today. So any questions that you want answered, anything about rigor or how I use it in my classroom, I'll be more than happy to answer those questions for you today. But I do wanna thank you all for joining me. Your goal though is to go to myadventuresinesl.com forward slash rigor, join in that raffle, if you have not downloaded by any chance our um, curriculum guide that you can use with your students to ensure that your lessons are rigorous and that you're planning a comprehensive lesson, go to myadventuresinesl.com forward slash tips to planning and you can get that guide as well, okay? So I, once again, am happy to have you here today. 
If you have not already, if you have any questions, just feel free to drop them in the comments. And once again, thank you all for being great, great ESL teachers. Thank you all for joining me, and I will see you all next Saturday. Bye. Oh, I'm sorry, not next Saturday, next Sunday. Bye.